No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. Sure. for the weekly edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. How are you? Hope you've had a lovely couple of weeks. I certainly have. Got so much to get through and we've got all the time in the world. Hope you're doing well. Plenty been going on. I haven't been around much. Been busy. Been busy with the life things. Have you been busy? Are you keeping yourselves COVID safe out there? Please, please tell me yes. Better be yes. I don't want to see any of you dropping dead or anything like that, you know. I want to make sure you're all okay. Thank you for joining us. As the title suggests, tonight we will be discussing Decock. That is a certainty. Right now, in the world of sports outside the United States, there is a war raging, a flaming, a smouldering. To cock. So we'll get into that. Of course, I have some COVID stuff as well, and I've got some uh, some nice news about love that we can get into a little bit later. Might open the Discord up later on in the show. Don't know. Sometimes people want to talk and then sometimes they just want to listen. And that's fine too. If you want to follow me, you know where to you know where to go. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. So tonight I want to introduce you to somebody. Ladies and gentlemen, say hello to Quinton DeCock. Hi Quinton. And a sad tale it is. For South Africa's wicketkeeper batsman, Quinton de Hoch. If Victor von Schroom is around, he is our resident Dutch tech support, ladies and gentlemen. He would confirm, I think, that despite the fact Quinton de Hoch is South African, he has a very Dutch-like name. So therefore, it wouldn't be Quinton de Kock as it's spelt. But more like Quinton de Hoch. <laughs> Because, you know, when the Dutch say certain words, it sounds like they're, you know, hocking up phlegm. Quinton de Hoch. So. This is... Who remembers the curious case of Ollie Robinson? We did last year. I think it was last year. It might have been earlier in the year. Thank you for coming. I'll see you in hell. I think... I don't know. It was earlier. It was a while ago. So, Ollie Robinson was a cricketer was <laughs> he still is <laughs> not dead or anything ollie robinson is a cricketer who at like the age of 26 made his debut for his country a proud day in ollie robinson's life and then after the first game when he was interviewed he wasn't asked about his bowling or his you know his on the ground performance no no instead somebody had dug up tweets from ollie robinson when he was a teenager <laughs> like eight, nine years previous. And just shit like, my new Muslim friend is the bomb. <laughs> that was one of them. 
And he basically, he came out and, you know, he had to emasculate. He had to apologize. He he wrote, he read the same pre-written apology four times on four different platforms. And what we did, we played, it was very, it was very fun. You should have been there if you weren't. And we played all four of the apologies at once and they all just kind of synced up. It was the exact same apology four times. So that was the curious case of Ollie Robinson. After that, you know, he was kicked out of the team for a period of time. He had to, you know, there was talk about entrainment, training him to be less racist and whatnot. <laughs> you know, the usual. And here we have another situation, again in cricket, but this time concerning the South African cricketer, Quinton de Kock. So Quinton de Kock has... Here's the situation. Here's the rundown. I'll tell you what. We'll go to the people who know this shit best. CNN, ladies and gentlemen. South African cricketer Quinton de Kock declines to take a knee at the T20 World Cup. The T20 World Cup is the 2020. It's a it's a type of cricket game. Okay, don't don't bother reading any more into it. <laughs> it's the World Cup of that cricket game. At the T20 World Cup, despite call to quote stand against racism, so he's he declined to take a knee, ladies and gentlemen. Now, your first question, if you are one of my friends in the United States and you just kind of watch American sports, I, I, I think I know your first question, which might be, why are they still taking the knee? <laughs> We're not even doing it anymore. Why are they doing it? <laughs> right? That may be your first question, but you don't understand just how much, you know, the United States exports culturally. Is export the right term? I don't know. Dispose of. <laughs> you don't you don't understand just how much culture America kind of dumps on everyone else. <laughs> and and then you're kind of stuck with it. Is America gonna be up to pick up is America gonna be around to pick up that moldy couch from the fucking garage or what? Oh yeah, you know, he said he just doesn't have room for it right now and it'll really spruce up and make the place more democratic. So we're just gonna leave it here forever. Always dumping your garbage everywhere. So, so yes, they're still doing it overseas. South African cricketer Quinton de Kock has made the personal decision not to take a knee before games at the ongoing T20 World Cup. His decision comes after the Cricket South Africa Board, or the CSA, announced that all players would be required to take a knee. <laughs> all players. Required. <laughs> You will be required to take a knee to show what a, to show what a stand, what an organic stand you take against something. Isn't it just? No. <laughs> we believe in the grassroots organization that sees players being threatened unless they do what they're told. That's good. And you have to understand, right, Quinton de Kock is not just some Johnny-come-lately. Did you see what I did there? Did you see that? Did you fucking see that shit? He's he's a pretty good cricketer. He's regarded as... he's Look, he might be the best wicketkeeper batsman in the world. To put it, you know, in baseball terms, he's a catcher who can hit home runs, right? So, you know... A nice little prize to have a catcher who can also smack the shit out of it, get it out of the ground. That's what he does. So he's, you know, he's a pretty highly 
profiled player. The 28-year-old De Hoek did not feature in South Africa's game against the West Indies on Tuesday. Quote, this is also the global gesture against racism that has been adopted by sports people across sporting codes because they recognise the power of sport to bring people together, end quote. So your first question might be, look, if you were a, you know, say a closeted racist or something of that nature, your first question may be, but how can it be a gesture if you're forcing people to do it? Right? That doesn't sound like a gesture. <laughs> you know, if you if you put a gu- if you put a gun to a hooker's head and say swallow this or I'll shoot you and they do, they're not, you know, they're not doing it as a gesture. Right? The, the quote-unquote requirement cancels out the premise of it being, you know, out of the goodness of your heart. It really does. I know this is basic 101 stuff, but it seems like a lot of people out there just don't understand. No. It's a lovely gesture when we force them to do it. <laughs> huh? Wonderful. So it's the global gesture against racism. Quote, after considering all relevant issues, including the freedom of choice of players, (laughs) I'm glad that they consider freedom of choice an issue to be discussed, perhaps traded away in the in in the name of a gesture. Okay, I just I just don't think people consider the long term kind of, you know, the timelines are splitting in half, ladies and gentlemen, the timelines are duplicating right before our eyes. Existence as we know it may cease to exist. Maybe it already has. After considering all relevant issues, including the freedom of choice of the players, the board had made it clear it was imperative for the team to be seen taking a stand against racism, especially given South Africa's history. Yes. You see that shit that was going on there in the 60s? Quinton? See the shit that was happening there with the apartheid? Quinton de Koch? Why don't you show a little fucking respect? And this reminded me. This is going to be incredibly pretentious. And I'm fully aware of how pretentious this is going to fucking be. But this reminded me, right? We did this. Remember the Burnley football captain? So the, the players in the Premier League in England were taking a knee before the game, right? Showing their respects. And somebody flew a plane over the stadium with a banner. And I think the banner said, all lives matter. I think that's what it said. But I could be wrong. So don't quote me on that. And what followed after the game was this poor chap, the captain of Burnley, he had to endure this, you know, just agonizing. It was like a six or seven minute interview, 90% of which was focused not on the game, but how he feels about the banner. (laughs) Not lying. Do you, do you feel a little bit shaken about it? What about anger? Is there any anger there as well? How, how important was it, Mr. Captain, how important was it for you to come out with a united stand and say that those small groups of fans out there don't represent your club and don't represent who you stand for and what you stand with? It was that kind of, and this fucking guy, he's just, 
It was like watching, it was like seeing the stills of the Fauci dog experiments in human form. But the sand flies were the, you know, incessant gnawing of the reporter asking these fucking inane, pointless questions. Yet, it was at that moment where we discovered on this show, that was the pivotal point. That was the point that the tide shifted. Because before that moment, right, basically, you stood for the flag in order to pay your respects, right? When reporters like this started asking questions like, do you think everyone should take a knee to show their respects or something of that nature? That's the moment where everything flipped because from now on, if you stand for the flag, that means you're the bad guy. And this is something that the left is very, very good at. Very good, the best, the best, still the best taking your thing and then turning it against you. They're the best at that. Because if you try to take their thing and turn it against them, they go, who cares? (laughs) So what? (laughs) I don't care what you think, right winger. Trump, etc. Holy shit! Karen sent me flaccid with the ninja guinea. Thank you very much, sir. Because we all missed you, you clever little Australian, clever witty Australian exotic king. Salute, 07. I'm not that exotic. I'm sitting here in shorts and a T-shirt. Don't let the music bed fool you. It's not as sophisticated as around, around here as I would have you believe. Not by a long shot. Thank you very much, sir. Very generous of you. So it was at that moment where they flipped the fucking script on you and it became, instead of, you know, standing up and taking your hat off and putting your hand on your heart when the anthem played, instead of that being the patriotic thing to do, no, no, the patriotic thing to do now is take a knee to show your respect to the movement, ladies and gentlemen. If you stand for the flag, that means you're obviously a racist. And that's... They manifested that environment directly into reality. Courtesy of things like this, which, again, we watched on June 24, 2020. I found it. I went back and found it. The movement is trying to, trying to achieve. I mean, you seem really angry. It's, it's part of that. I mean, it ha- you, you seem really angry. Are you disgusted as well? Moments after you've just taken a knee to show your own respect. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, you hear the plane above and... Show your respect. That that nearly slipped by me there. How about that one? That nearly, that nearly, did you catch that? Let's play it one more time here. Listen how, listen how sneakily this is being turned around, right? So like a couple of examples, just for like a bit of context here. So a couple of examples, right? The... So yesterday we did uh, the OK sign. So before they would say uh, it's the OK sign, but sometimes it gets used by white supremacists, right? Now they're saying it's the white supremacist sign that also gets used as an OK sign. They've done the switcheroo. So have a listen to this. The plane was flying over. Are you angry because the the plane flew over your head moments after you took a knee to show respect to the movement? See, see what's going to happen here? 
if you don't kneel, you'll be disrespectful instead of the opposite. This time last year, taking a knee was disrespectful. They're just going to slowly turn it around. So people who don't take a knee, they're the ones who are being disrespectful. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I told you it was self-indulgent. It was pretentious. It was narcissistic. But June 24, 2020, that's when we discovered. Now have a look at this. Now, now read this article with your new vampire eyes, my children. Look, now read it again. South African cricketer Quinton de Kock declines to take a knee at the 2020 World Cup despite call to stand against racism. The board's view was that while diversity can and should... Quitten underscore the cock dipped three dollars. <laughs> I was just stretching. Geese. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. The Cock. It's Quitten the Cock. <laughs> I was just stretching. Come on, man. And my forklift, the brand of my forklift is a Heil. So it was, you know, I was Heil and stretching. Bring me the Heil. <laughs> Got to move these cartons. The board's view was that while diversity can and should find expression in many facets of daily lives, this did not apply when it when it came to taking a stand against racism. This is what the what the South African Cricket Board said. While we respect freedom of expression, basically, while we like while we you know while we like free speech, uh, free speech doesn't apply when it comes to taking a stand against racism. So you see how all this shit very predictably is now reversed, and that's what they're extremely good at. Exceptionally good at. The statement added that the CSA board is awaiting a further report from team management. So you see, because now, because he didn't want to take the knee for this ritual, right, this new pre-game ritual that everyone has to keep doing, it's like clapping in fucking North Korea. You know that... I don't know if it's a myth or if it's a true story. Or was it Stalin? You know, the the first person to stop clapping gets taken out the back of the room and fucking shot, you know? So everyone has to keep doing it because nobody wants to be the first one to stop. Why? Because you will be investigated for potential racism if you stop doing it. Your name will be plastered across every sporting and news website in the in the world because not because of your cricket, not because of your game, but because you didn't want to kneel. You'll be investigated for racism, <laughs> right? Well, it wouldn't be the curious case of Quinton de Kock if the story ended there. This is where things start to twist and turn. By the end of this, you will not know which hole is your ear hole and which hole is your asshole. I'm telling you, you won't know the difference between shit and shoe polish. It's nine in the city and I'm on my way back home. I'm on my favourite ditty, swinging like racist do you have to be? ABC host slams star who won't kneel. This is when all of the auxiliary, 
you know, this is when all of the support networks of sport, the sports media industry, this is when they kick into gear. During times like these. Because the rush is on to get those clicks, to get those eyeballs, to get those ear holes and assholes. Got to get them in the seats. How racist do you have to be? ABC, which is the Australian taxpayer-funded media operation. ABC host Slam Star, who won't know. ABC presenter Tony Armstrong has questioned Quinton de Hock's confounding call to withdraw from a match and avoid taking a knee. Karen sent me flaccid with the diamond. So, Boogie, do you identify as an island boy? Hail, of course. We are the island boys. Australia is the world's largest island, my friend. How could anybody, how could any other population claim to be the island boys? No, 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 no. To be an island boy, you have to come down here where all the shit tries to kill you and then party on the beach, pussies. Then walk around on the beach with no shirt and shit. We're going to make you fight your way out from the bush, right? Through the scrub. It'll be like Survivor, but nobody wins. See how many island boys there really are out there. (laughs) They're all going to be like, nah, too many spiders, bro. Exactly. Exactly. Holy shit! Winning TV, dropping a fucking guinea on us. Thank you, Phil. Phil the Ansley, dlive.tv slash winning TV. You can use either shit or shoe polish for a minstrel show. I know that that being one of Frozo's people. Oh, yeah, but you're allowed to be a little more racist than I am. You're half Asian, so you can't be completely racist like Frozo can. But you can be a little bit racist and get away with it. I can't be racist at all, and I'm not, which is why I stand against people who refuse to kneel. See... By kneeling, I'm showing what I'm standing against. By them standing, they're not standing for anything. Australian television presenter Tony Armstrong has slammed Quinton de Kock's confounding decision not to take a knee in support of the Black Lives Matter movement before a World Cup match. On Tuesday night, yes, we know the story now. All players had been required in the line. Yes, okay. Uh, Now, this is what Quinton de Kock said after this, all right? This was his statement. Quinton de Kock is yet to respond. <laughs> so who are we quoting here now? So who is this quote? You can't... What the... <laughs> Gypsy of Diamonds with the diamond. Vanda just steals the diamond, Gypsy. Thank you for joining us. So this is a quote, but this is from a different match. So this is from a, a match, like, in June this year. So they've been kind of sniffing up this guy's asshole for a while now, alright? This Quinton de Kock who doesn't want to take the knee, how dare he? They've kind of been, you know, they've been gathering evidence, so to speak. So here we are. De Kock is yet to respond to this latest controversy but referenced his position after hitting 141 not out against the West Indies in a test match in June. Good knock. Quote, I'll keep my reasons for not kneeling to myself and it is my own personal opinion, he said at the time. Wow. Wow, bro. What a fucking racist. 
clearly. Obviously. Pleading the fifth is basically like saying Heil Hitler now. Oh, he didn't want to say anything, therefore he wants to lynch black people. He's awful. Karen set me flaccid with the diamond not to interrupt Sir King. Start the raping y'alls. We're leaving Decock out on the field tonight, mate. Uh, so <laughs> I'll keep my reasons for not kneeling to myself, and it is my own personal opinion, he said at the time. It is everyone's decision, and no one is forced to do something, and that's the way I see things. Oh, he should have known better, shouldn't he? He should have known better. <laughs> Speaking on ABC Breakfast, Armstrong said it was confounding Decock would take such drastic action to avoid taking a knee. Do you see what's happening here? Let's see what he said. Let's see what he said. So for Quinton de Kock not to do that, we know how chequered, uh, not, not just South Africa's past is, but so many uh, nations' past are when it comes to racism. For him to not do that, uh, all, all that I think, and, 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 and this is my own personal opinion, the question's been bubbling. Uh, yes, you're, uh, yes, you're allowed to have your personal opinion, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Quinton de Kock, on the other hand, is not so lucky. One might say privileged. Look, this is just my personal opinion. Oh, are we doing personal opinions again? Because I just read the statement from the South African Cricket Board that said, you know, while we respect personal opinion, uh, on this occasion, no, no, you're just going to have to do it. Okay. Because we said so. So we respect personal opinion, but we believe it has no... No place being in this particular instance. Oh, okay. Look, this is just my personal opinion. Oh, okay, so we're flicking the personal opinion machine back on again now for this. Right, good. Good. Uh, all, all that I think, and, 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 and this is my own personal opinion, the question's been bubbling in my mind all night, is how racist do you have to be to not just take a knee and do that in conjunction with your teammates to show, like, like to even pretend to show support. You've got to be pretty strong in your conviction not to. <laughs> did, you, did you catch it? Press one in the chat if you caught that. Press two in the chat if you're like, I don't get it. Did you catch it? <laughs> stage we're at now. That's the stage we're at now. Okay, if you missed it, we're now at the stage where we're openly saying, just do it even if you don't agree, right? Because it's wrong to have convictions. (laughs) No, no. Like, you just have to think how racist would that person have to be? Like, even if they don't believe in it, just go along with it, man. 
Because, I mean, for, for him to not just go along with it and shut up shows that he's got some pretty serious convictions. How awful, I know. He should just fall in, even if he doesn't want to. He shouldn't stand for himself or anything like that. He should just do what he's told, right? Because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> The curious case of Quinton de Koch, ladies and gentlemen. Again, we're dealing with this situation, which we predicted fucking 18 months ago, whatever it was, where instead of, you know, they'll just flip the narrative around and it'll they'll take your thing and use it against you. So you your thing was, you know, putting your hand on your heart and standing for the anthem and all of that hoobla, right? And I'm a patriot. I love my country. I show my respect for the flag and for the veterans and yada, yada, yada. But they just flipped it around. And now if you want to show your respect, you kneel during the anthem. You show your respect to the movement, right? the activist movement of change. Otherwise, it shows that you must be a racist because you have uh, convictions. Welcome to 2021. As I said, the timelines are splitting right before our eyes. One more time. Like, to even pretend to show support, you've got to be pretty strong in your conviction not to. I know. How and awful. do that in conjunction with your teammates to show support. Like, like, to even pretend to show support, you've got to be pretty strong in your conviction not to. Yeah. So that proves he's a racist because he had convictions not to. Wonderful, isn't it? Winning TV with a diamond. Everything's proceeding as you have foreseen, master. Yeah. Yeah. Phil D'Angelo, of course. Our uh what would you say? Would you say our I would I would say he's the commander of the uh cart patrols in the great kingdom of Boogistan, ladies and gentlemen. If you're new to this show, uh of course you know you know the, the various scuttlebutt about people not returning their carts and whatnot. In the great kingdom of Boogistan, we have always been and forever will be. Uh, a very libertarian society, except for parking lot behaviour. That's where we rule with an iron fist. Total and complete fascism in the car park only. Like, once you get into the mall, you're fine, you're sweet. You can, you know, light up a cigarette, do whatever you want. It's pretty cool. But as soon as you, like, if you don't park inside the lines, you don't, you, there's no trial or anything, there's no appeals. You just vanish, you just disappear. And the man who runs that operation, that vital operation, which keeps our parking lots, you know, safe and secure for everybody, is the great Phil D'Angelo of Winning TV, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us, sir. So, all right. So, <laughs> he must be racist because you've got to have these kinds of convictions in order to not just go along with the gesture even if you really don't believe in it, which is just a hell of a position. It's a that seems like akin to an indefensible ridge in World War One. You know, the English and the Australians landing in Gallipoli and just getting mowed down by machine gun fire. That's the argument. That's the argumentation version of that. Hey, just go along with it, even if you don't like it. I mean. Pfft. If you're not just prepared to go along with it, then, I mean, you must be racist because you've got convictions. <laughs> All right. So where do you think the story turns from here? I told you this one's got plot twists all over it. So we're now in like the third act 
of the movie. Where do you, where do you think the plot turns? Okay, how about I, I present it to you this way. Press one in the chat if you think Ollie's... Uh, Ollie, I'm calling him Ollie now. Ollie de Cock. <laughs> Press one in the chat if you think Quentin de Cock stood strong, stood firm. Or press two in the chat if you think Quentin de Cock went limp. What do you think he did? How did he how did he maneuver through this PR minefield? I'm afraid to say the twos have it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> South African cricketer Quinton de Kock apologises for refusing to take the knee and insists, quote, he is not a racist. <laughs> Just like that. So again, again... We're once standing up and, you know, when the anthem played. Where once that was considered, you know, being respectful of those who came before you and your, you know, your little community, you know, your people, etc. Where that was once the norm. We're now on the opposite side of the coin as it flips through the eternal void of space. And time. Because now, not kneeling when the anthem's played and perhaps raising like a some of them now are raising little black power fists and stuff while they kneel so if you don't do that then you know you're the enemy here you're the disrespectful one you know and if you happen to be Quinton de Kock you'll do it people come out and say you must be a racist because you have convictions um, you get investigated by your own cricket team, your own board, like your own governing body. Investigated to see if you're a closet racist or something. That's probably when they start going through the Facebook posts and the and the tweets for any budding athletes out there. Yes, I'm afraid you can't have fun anymore. It's not allowed. And that's when all the pressure starts coming in. That's when your agent starts calling up and saying, look, all the sponsors are, are pulling out. Unless you do something. You know, your coach is calling and saying, look, I don't know if we can pick you unless you make this right. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that the uh, politicians are going to let you play, mate, unless you do what's right. Do the right thing. Just just go out there, say you're sorry, and then you can come back in. Everything will be all right. right. This is how they get you. Look, mate, you don't want to be remembered as a racist, do you? Do you? You want to keep playing cricket for your country? Remember, he is one of the best in the world. Hey, mate, you want to keep playing, don't you? Yeah, just go out and tell them you're sorry, mate. Go on. <laughs> Foggy. Were the, were the fans chanting, you suck cock? <laughs> suck cock, suck cock, suck cock. <laughs> South African cricketer Quinton de Kock has apologised for refusing to take the knee and insists he is not a racist. 
The wicketkeeper announced he had made the personal decision not to take a knee before the games at the ongoing T20 World Cup. By the way, this was about 24 hours later. 20, it took it took less than a day to get poor old Quinton to go through what we like to call here on this show the Ollie Robinson treatment. <laughs> Just go out there and tell him you messed up. Go on, mate. This is where it starts. This is where it begins, you see. Because once the apologising starts, it never stops. Because that's when the investigations come. That's when they say, okay, look, thank you for apologising, but we're still going to be pulling out our sponsorship, okay? But we like that you did the right thing. The team will say, look, Thank you for doing the right thing. We are going to stand you down just for a while until this blows over and you can earn your way back in. You've got to, we've got to show people that we're serious, right? <laughs> the wicketkeeper announced that oh, we were there. The 28-year-old uh, Decock did not feature in South Africa's game against the West Indies on Tuesday, but in a statement released on Thursday, Decock said he was deeply sorry for all the hurt and confusion and anger that I have caused. Would you say that there was confusion out there, Ollie? Mate. Hi, this is Boogie Bumper from the world of cricket. Uh, we're here talking with Quentin DeCock. Quentin, would you say that you're deeply sorry for the hurt that you caused people out there, would you? Or is that something you'd do, maybe? Listen, Quentin, would you say that there, you've caused a lot of confusion and anger out there with people? Do you understand sort of why people are very hurt and confused by your actions? <laughs> this is what's happening now. Again, because he didn't, because he didn't want to kneel personally, he's now respond. He has to apologise for hurt and anger that he has caused. Everyone's in a room. Stalin is talking. Don't be the first one to stop clapping. You, if you're the first one to stop clapping, you'll get Robinsoned. You'll be dragged in front of the firing squad. Or, you know, more unceremoniously dragged just behind the, behind the hall where the meeting is. Thrown in a dumpster. <laughs> Minister of Fun, Kimmy with the Diamond. Thank you for joining us, Kimmy. They turned cock into a pussy. <laughs> well done. I like it. Some might say I like the snappy ones. I like fortune cookie humor. But I just call it being free. Thank you very much. That's for the diamond. So let's hear a bit of this apology, shall we? <laughs> so now that is the media release on behalf of Quinton DeCock. It is a two-page. Now, Quinton, I think you can. It's Stop fair me. to say he did. He. His response in the apology was far better than Ollie Robinson's because Ollie Robinson read the same fucking apology four times to four different cameras and four different interviewers. The exact same thing, word for word. It was insane. At least Quinton de Hock decided, no, you know what? I'm not going to parade myself around in front of the cameras and take questions from, you know, 
fucking uppity reporters who are going to ask me if I harbour any racist views and you know, I'm just not going to put up with these idiots. So he just puts out a media release instead. Now, don't you think he could do a little better than that? <laughs> don't you think he should be forced to do more? Because you see, usually in these kinds of cases, it's not good enough if you just apologise. As we've been over many times, apologies aren't about, you know, restoring somebody's, you know, baseline of happiness or anything. It's nothing to do with making people feel better. It's about power. It's about having, for, you know, showing people that you have the power to make them denounce their own speech. I will make you say that your own actions and your own words, you know, whilst not criminal or anything in any way, I will get you to be ashamed of yourself. Because once the apologies start, they never stop. So I think we can do a little bit better than a media release, but we've got to work with what we've got. And statement, it is worth reading, so please go to our website. Uh, go to our website. Read it, but I will paraphrase it, guys. Um, it, what it does say is, Quinton does say, I would like to start by saying sorry to my teammates and fans back home. I do understand the importance of standing against racism, and I also understand the responsibility of us as players to set an example. If me taking a knee helps educate others and makes the lives of others better, I am more than happy to do so. Um, and also he says, I'm deeply sorry for all the hurt, confusion and anger that I've caused. Anger. And then the last um, sentence in the statement basically reads, if he and the team and South Africa, we have me, I would love nothing more than to play cricket for my country again. So that's exactly what they did. In order to enforce a gesture, they've threatened this guy, who's one of the best in the world, with his job. Karen sent me flaccid with the diamond. Via Island Boys, thank you very much for the diamond. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's what I was telling you. They get in his ear and they say, look, don't you want to play cricket again? Don't you just want to get back out there with your mates, Quinton? Don't you, mate? Just go and apologise, mate. Everything will be all right, mate. So I have an interesting twist yet again for you here. Because now we're going back to the reporter. Okay, so Ollie Robinson has apologised. Right? Ollie Rob... Fucking Ollie Robinson. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, Ollie. I'm really sorry, Mr. Robinson. <laughs> it's an accident. It's just when... Whenever we get one of these public... From now on, whenever we get some kind of public apology from a sports star, I'm just going to think Ollie Robinson every time. Quinton de Kock. Not Ollie Robinson. Quinton de Kock. So the story twists again. Now, the reporter who we saw earlier who said, you know, how racist do you have to be? We're going to flick back to him now and get a response. And I'm going to ask you in the chat one more time, how do you think this is going to play out? Press one in the chat if you think the reporter is going to say, well, you know what? I accept the apology and, you know, maybe I said some stuff wrong too and, like, I just want to get back to being friends and all that stuff. Or press two in the chat if you think the reporter will double down and say not good enough. One or two, what do you think?
twos in the chat. A lot of twos. Well, let's see what you think. Let's see where this goes. You might be surprised. Let's have a look. Honey, I was just thinking, um, I wanted to ask you because you were feeling understandably pretty emotional hmm. the other morning uh, uh, on this subject. Does that apology from him or, uh, you know, statement go to what your concerns were? Yeah, look, I mean... I read the statement last night, I spoke about it last night, and the statement was great. Um, it was sort of uh, two two pages, and normally when you've got a statement that, that's that's that big, you know, sometimes they've, they've, they've got some fluff in them, but this one, every line earned its keep. <laughs> Foggy in the chat with a pertinent question, I think. Foggy asks, I'm sorry, why does this cunt matter? Because <laughs> he's a guy on TV, Foggy. He's a guy on TV. That's why he matters. Okay. So because it was two pages. Yes. <laughs> Iceman in the chat. Fuck, two pages? <laughs> two pages? That's gonna that's gonna be my whole afternoon. Fuck. Two fucking pages, mate. So he sounds a little conciliatory there. So, okay. Now, press one in the chat if you think that's where it ends for Quinton de Kock, or press two in the chat if you think that there's yet another potential heel turn in the offing here. One in the chat if you think that this is where the story ends. Two in the chat if you think that there's another heel turn just around the corner. Because I want to, I want you to ask yourself: Have you ever seen somebody, you know, have you ever seen somebody compromise all the way in these situations? I haven't. Because I'm here to tell you what what started happening was, unfortunately for this chap. Uh, he started getting a little bit of feedback, you know. People started saying, mate, what the fuck? <laughs> Having convictions is wrong. What? Having opinions is wrong. Okay. So I think there was a little bit of feedback there. There was a little on-the-fly kind of advice from the sidelines, you know. He was getting a few he was getting a few tips from over the fence. <laughs> And I think that may have, you know, in some way perhaps influenced what we saw there. But there is another twist, I think. Let's see what happens. Which was really, really great. And it was awesome to see. Um, uh, I guess within the statement, he did say that if he had his time again, he would have he would have taken the knee. I do understand how he would have felt pressure immediately to um, uh, that he was having a mandate forced down upon him. It was only a couple of hours, I think, before the game that they were told that they were going to have to do that. Um, but I think what you saw in me was <laughs> the direct impact of what racism can, 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 can do. And
I was angry and I overreacted because of racism. What you saw when I reacted to Quint de Kock by saying how racist, you know, would you have to be to not just take the knee even if you don't agree with it? Because, you know, that person must have convictions or something. <laughs> oh, look, you know, it was a great statement. And, you know, what you saw in me <laughs> was a direct result of all of the racisms that we're talking about. So, <laughs> so somehow. <laughs> Racism caused my 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 reaction to the Quinton de Cox story. <laughs> um, uh, that he was having a mandate forced down upon him. It was only a couple of hours, I think, before the game that they were told that they were going to have to do that. Um, but I think what you saw in me was <laughs> the direct impact of what racism can 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 do. And- Again, uh, I, I was I was pretty strong, and I was probably wrongly a bit a bit a bit too strong. But that was but, a direct, but, but. <laughs> like fight or flight response mm. to um, seeing a perceived lack of support to something that means so very much to me. Ah, <laughs> Oof. that is one uncomfortable lounge there for these. Is this what they're doing on ABC every morning? God. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> every now and then I see one of these little clips of like some, you know, obviously somebody's watching it, but <laughs> like, is this what they're doing over there? Fuck. Sounds fucking awful. What a what a terrible way to start breakfast. <laughs> People don't want this shit at breakfast. Come on. Can I at least be made to feel like a cunt after lunch? Christ. <laughs> Not first thing in the morning. So there you have it. My, my reaction. My reaction was due to the. It was a. It was a fight or flight response. That was his his words. Basically, if I didn't lash out, I was going to die. (laughs) Because of the racism. Fuck. It looks like a very comfortable studio. Doesn't it? Your, Your tax dollars at work, ladies and gentlemen. Looking good. Let's see what we got here. I got one more clip of this guy. What's that one? South African cricketer Quinton de Kock has apologised for. Fa- yes, apologised for. South African cricketer Quinton de Kock has apologised for failing to take a knee before the game against the West Indies. Yes. In a statement, he's explained he felt his rights were taken away by the way the players were told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of the opposite. 
This time last year, taking a knee was disrespectful. They're just going to slowly turn it around. So people who don't take a knee, they're the ones who are being disrespectful. You take a knee to show your respect. You stand up if you have no respect. If you're an awful person, you stand during the anthem. If you're an awful person, you stand for the flag and the anthem. That's what disrespectful people do. Respectful people, they take a knee. See how this happens? So subtly, so quietly. It's like you turn your head for a second and, you know, the pretty girl at the bar switches the drinks around and puts the poison in your glass. You know what I mean? Now, after talking it out with cricket bosses, he says he's happy to make a stand against racism. He says he's sorry for the hurt and confusion he's caused. Confusion? <laughs> oh, look, maybe this is easier coming from a place where, you know, nobody really gives a fuck about me whatsoever, so it's probably easier. But, yeah, you know, I, I, I figured out long ago I never have to apologise for somebody else's confusion. I can apologise for my own. Like, if I'm confused, I can go, look, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you mean. But if you're confused at, you know, what I say, it's not my fault. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I'm not apologising for your confusion. Figure it out, mate. <laughs> He's a Quinton DeCock has apologised for the hurt and confusion. Hurt and confusion. Where are these people living? Seriously, where are they? What kind? Are, do, are they living like you know on an island with dinosaurs running around or something chasing them? You know, where the fuck are they living? Did you hear Quinton Cox didn't take a knee? No, and then the it's, it's just a riot. <laughs> Buildings are burning. Places are getting looted. Why are you looting all these businesses? Because I'm fucking confused. That's why. Oh, okay. I'm confused. Is Quinton Cox a racist? I don't know. I'm really hurt by all of this. What the fuck is going on? Tony, I saw you speak about this. Uh, I get like, you know, we've spoken about this so much, man. This is how rhetoric just becomes part of the everyday vernacular, so to speak. And rhetoric is now our common tongue. It's our common language. You know, we, we every almost everything is a manipulation now. It's very rare to, to just get people to say what they think or at least say what they are describing, you know. We allow, we allow people to say, you know, this this one sportsman who had an issue with the the team management taking freedom of choice away from people in regards to whether or not they, you know, comply with some gesture and am which is like an ambiguous we're all pro anti racism. And he took issue with that a couple of hours before the game. Next thing you know, he's kind of dragged around in front of the cameras and how racist would he have to be? He's basically Nazi. I mean, it's fucking horrifying.
Yep. When he refused to take the knee and you were pretty strong on it. What do you, what do you think of the apology? Yeah, oh, so first off, like, I think the statement's really good. We were talking about it uh, before we came on air and, you know, when the statement is, no, is uh, this long, normally you've got lines in there that are, that are fluff. Okay, he's saying, so he's saying the same interview on two different shows now. All right. Okay, he's giving the same answers. Oh, boy. That sounds like a prepared statement. That this, that this player, Quinton, was not going to take a knee in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, whilst I understand that it can be tokenistic for big sport to go out there and just... No, 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 no. Whilst I... He, let, see what's happening here? Now, he said, whilst... whilst it, look, I can understand it can be tokenistic. I, I, hang on, sorry, Tony. Tony, mate... You're the one who said it doesn't even matter if you believe in it or not, remember? Look, I'll show you. I'll show you, Tony. Uh, not not just South Africa's past is, but so many uh, nations' past uh, when it comes to racism. Okay. For him to not do that, uh, all, all that I think, and, 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 and this is my own personal opinion, the question's been bubbling in my mind all night, is bubbling. how racist do you have to be to not just take a knee and do that in conjunction with your teammates to show, like, like to even pretend to show support. You've got to be pretty strong in your conviction not to. Even just pretend to show support, mate. Okay. Or more angry about this because I felt so visceral about the fact that this <laughs> that this player, Quinton. I felt visceral. That your visceral with me. I just felt so visceral that day. What would you do if you felt visceral out there? Just incidentally, what's something you would do whilst you're feeling visceral? Would you do anything at all? Maybe you just sit there and stare at something really hard. <laughs> I don't know. Went on. I felt myself getting more and more angry about this angry. because he confused and angry. I we found them. <laughs> we found the guy who was confused and Quentin Decock caused confusion and anger. All right, and he should apologise for doing so. You know why? Because he didn't just go along with the gesture, even though he doesn't believe in it. That's why it caused confusion and anger. Well, if it's that easy to cause confusion and anger, then I mean, you know. I mean, the world's a scary place. I felt so visceral, visceral. about the fact that this that this player, Quinton, was not going to take a knee in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh -huh. Now, whilst I understand that it can be tokenistic for big sports <laughs> to go out there and just take a knee and yeah, then just do what it, are though. they really it, doing? It, it can be tokenistic, but don't have convictions. Just do what you're told. <laughs> Look, we understand it's tokenistic, but shut up and fucking do it, okay? <laughs> Behind it. It still means a lot to see it. It means... <laughs> All right, man. All right. I mean, again, this is where we are now. And that's the and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the curious case of Quinton de Kock. Because despite admitting that it's a tokenistic gesture and we know that he really doesn't believe in it, it's still nice to see it.
So the curious case of Quentin de Kock is that he should do what he's told, even if he doesn't believe in it, because convictions are wrong. And even though we know it's a tokenistic gesture, especially when people are forced to do it, it's still a good thing. It's still, no, no, it's, it's better than a good thing. It means something. It means something. It means something when you're forced to do it, so shut up or we'll call you a racist until you cry yourself to sleep. And that is the curious case of Quentin de Kock. All right, I need to refresh my beverage, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm going to get myself a little drinky poos and we'll take a very short break and be right back with some more shit. So stick around. See you soon. I've been doing some looking into Boogie Bumper and his fancy voice there, fancy Australian voice. Turns out, after a little bit of uh, scrutinizing in my uh, studio here, his voice is not natural. He uses uh, digital uh, tricks, studio magic, to make his voice sound deep uh, and low and nice. It's, it's actually not. It sounds like a high-pitched kind of uh, weaselly voice. And also the accent, fake. Uh, another digital trick, studio magic. So sorry, Boogie, had to expose you, but it's, uh, you know, you've been riding too high for too long, sir. It's pretty, it's so pretty. We go with we go with Ian Michael, Glass Art, head of the British Garage Door Repairers and Glassmakers Association, Lord Clarence Cobblepot. Well, I, I truly have uh, no uh, hesitations in suggesting that Ian Michael is a visionary. Uh, possibly the most uh, wonderful, talented glassmaker we've ever seen you know, of this generation. Uh, I recommend him to all of our, our, our service members and all of our, our union members who require only the best in quality. Ian Michael Glass Art. Not just dildos and butt plugs. Do you suffer from mass hysteria, not knowing whether to wear a mask or not? Do you suffer from paranoia, constantly in fear of Karens? Do you suffer from anti-laughism, the inability to laugh and smile no matter what happens to you? Well... It's Charworthy here with Char Money Live, where you can have a chahoochinani of a good time. We have everything from current events to a chasorcin McCarran, where these chicans just be going chuk-a-raze. It's off the hinge. We even got Karen's jumping off of trailers! We got Karen's going to crazy over french fries! We even have Karen's that think they have the force! It's insane over here at Chomley Live! So I appreciate you! Come on down! We got the phone lines, they're always open! We'd love to have you! Flash effects may include dizziness, lack of oxygen, due to hysterical laughing, and inability to shield off cameras to come within six feet of your vicinity. Expansion of the mind due to the overload of factual information, not fake news, confidence, and lack of bullshit in your life, and the inability to become based. For instance, help with any of these symptoms, please contact the trauma and not let immediately or seek your closest woke friend who may be able to calm you during your time of transition from sleep to awake. The best way to describe Boogie Bumper is that he is a left wing socialist criminal who should not be allowed to have any influence over anybody. This just in, the global officials that can help all, also known as Got You, have now banned all boogieing and boogie-related movements worldwide. Public safety is the main concern, they say, and people are reminded that boogieing is contagious. Anyone caught boogieing will be dealt with in the harshest terms police have reported. 
If you missed the starting block last night, like most people did, and you should too, if you saw it, you should miss it. It's terrible. It's a terrible show. Um, we discussed some breaking news last night. There's a new war happening. This this music's far too cheerful. That's better. This is pretty cheerful as well. <laughs> so there's a new war afoot. So we've had the war on terror, the war on poverty, the war on obesity... Uh, the war on climate change. We've had a whole bunch of wars. War on drugs, the lot. We've done the lot. Now, Australia is prepped and primed and ready to take up its next war on X. Now, what do you think X is? I'm open to suggestions in the chat. Tell me what you think. What do you think our next war is going to be? Don't say emus. We already lost to that one. war on toilet paper. The war on the unvaxxed, says Phil. I mean, these are very, these are very, um, you know, serious concerns also. The war on dingoes. Nice man. The war on whites. Mr. Yes, the war on white people. Foggy nailed it, ladies and gentlemen. It's the war on, how did you put it, Fog? The war on online fuckery. That's right. We are going to make the internet a safer place for everyone. And guess what? You're going to get it too. I'm just happy because I know we're not alone on this. (laughs) Karen's had me flashing with the diamond. The block infiltrated my dreams. Subliminal shit. Or you. Scott Morrison declares war on Facebook trolls and wants G20 on board, ladies and gentlemen. The G20. This is what we're take. This is what we're taking to the G20. A war on Facebook trolls. <laughs> you mean, sir? Don't you mean meta trolls? Fuck yeah, I'm a meta troll. Scott Morrison has Scott Morrison is our prime minister. Scott Morrison has declared war on social media trolls. The war on trolls has begun, <laughs> revealing a plan to expose anonymous online agitators that he will take to the T20, uh, the T20, the G20. Fucking Quentin de Kock. Social media giants face a new crackdown. God, we love a crackdown in this country. We really do. We're always cracking down on something or someone. Social media giants face a new crackdown because remember we covered the last crackdown, which was after the Christchurch shooting, where they they within three days. It's funny how some laws take thirty years to fucking change, 
and other laws can just be cooked up and passed through in three days. Isn't that strange how that can happen? Isn't that weird? So anyway, we we got some emergency laws passed after Christchurch, whereby if uh, you know somebody who runs a platform could be legally responsible for quote unquote harmful content posted to that platform unless they take it down as quickly as possible. So, you know, you're running a social media account or something, running, you know, well, you know, Facebook's fucking local boss here, Google's local boss here, whatever. Throw them in prison. <laughs> so now that was the last crackdown. This is the new crackdown now. Now we've got a new crackdown. Social media giants face new crackdown designed to force companies to reveal the names of anonymous trolls. <laughs> the government... The government is going to pass a law that will force, um, you know, entities on the internet to hand over your personal details. So we don't we don't even bother with surveillance here. We just say, give it to us. Oh, okay. Give it to us or else. All right. Prime Minister Scott Morrison has signalled he will raise the issue with world leaders at the G20 this month. Oh, that sounds encouraging, doesn't it? For the first time, it means citizens using anonymous social media accounts to defame and troll. Now, see, this is... See, see, here's that tricky sleight of hand again, ladies and gentlemen. Notice how they equate defame and troll. Why do you think that is? Why would they be doing that? Could it possibly be that defame is, you know, a very well-defined legal term, right? But trolling is not. Trolling is an ambiguous conceptual term. It can it can describe many things and not describe many things. Defame and defamation describes something very specific. So they're like, look, it means citizens using anonymous social media accounts to defame and troll. <laughs> now, do you know what some people consider troll? Some people consider trolling if you reply to like a Twitter thread or something and say, mm, I don't really agree with this. They'll go, here come the trolls, right? To some people, that's trolling. Most people on the internet don't really know what trolling is. It's just a word that they use to describe things, right? You know, someone someone getting a lot of down, down fingers on their videos or whatever. Oh, it's, it's the trolls. I'm being trolled. So trolling is just that troll and trolling are just fucking slapped together words which apply to pretty much whatever you don't like on the internet now. That's what... The mainstream, the normies, ladies and gentlemen. That's what they refer to as trolling. So, of course, when we see things like social media accounts to defame and troll could be named, shamed and brought before the courts. <laughs> does make me wonder. Quote, we must hold social media platforms to account. They're publishers, not just platforms. Hey, there you go. This is when that turning things into... This is when turning them into publishers is going to bite you on the ass. Been trying to say. Even though it's a shitty situation. 
even though they are, you know, there's bias and all the rest of it. And even though people lose their accounts unfairly. The alternative is the alternative is slamming the fucking cell door shut. You understand that? Even though I'm not saying that it's good. See, this is the problem. Everybody gets pushed into these false dichotomies. And now people are like, well, they should be we should be calling them publishers. Well, but then it's like, do you think you're gonna get published? <laughs> you know. Once you do that, once you do that, there's no more kind of ambiguous, oh, I was being censored because they don't like what I say. Once you move to that level, there's no more of that. No, no, they just won't they just won't fucking have you. Because they they become legally responsible and liable. So this I've been saying this for years. If you want the only online presence on, say, like platforms like YouTube to be shit like CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. If if that's all you want to watch, then continue supporting uh, turning these platforms into publishers. Continue doing that. And I'm not in any way fucking slapping them on the back and saying what a great job they're doing by saying so. But that's it, that legally, that's the situation that will become. You'll have to be approved to use it. And it will only be big platforms, which they refer to as quote-unquote authoritative sources. Everyone else will just be banned because they're publishers and they can't be liable for the shit you say online. So they just won't have you. This is the Prime Minister again. Particularly when they allow people to anonymously go on their platforms and publish their vile rubbish. Whether that is to bully a young girl or target people, they always use the kids, don't they? I know, man. By the way, a conservative government, ladies and gentlemen, conservative government. Big conservative guy. Very, very fucking conservative by the looks of it. Doesn't like rude words on the internet. Whether that is to bully a young girl or target people online or to push defamatory statements out against people and to do so anonymously with impunity. So he, of course, he must also be referring to memes, right? You know, got to take, got to, we've got to get a hold of these memes. We've got to take the memes down. Don't even get me started on the shit they did in Brazil after Bolsonaro won the election there. They started bringing in all kinds of regulations for apps like WhatsApp. They started banning the amount of people you could have in a WhatsApp group because the New York Times published a piece that blamed the election of Bolsonaro on the fact that people were sharing memes in WhatsApp groups. So WhatsApp, through its via its parent company, made the changes and we started, you know, banning people in from having two bigger WhatsApp groups. Started checking people's messages and shit. Why? To Back then, you know what excuse they used? They said, we're doing this to protect democracy. I'm not lying. See, whichever country you go to, the playbook's the fucking same. Brazil, Canada, the UK, Germany, France, Australia, the United States. Doesn't fucking matter. It's the same playbook wherever you go. Earlier this week, Mr. Morrison told Today FM's Erin Molan, who has campaigned again to online, who has campaigned again to online bullying. All right, that he was determined to act. 
Quote, we all know how social media companies use data and then they target them and they bombard them. We want to protect kids. We're, we're protecting the children. It's about protecting the children, ladies and gentlemen. So get this. The boomers who want to um, get the five-year-olds vaccinated as soon as possible. I've got that story waiting here, ready to go, loaded up. (laughs) It's just sitting there, just sitting there, waiting to go, Mr. Prime Minister. So we'll get into that next. So the boomers are basically going to eviscerate the concept of privacy on the internet. They're going to eviscerate the concept of privacy in the digital world, right? In order to protect the children, which they now want to get vaccinated. (laughs) Okay? So, (laughs) this is all about protecting the kids. So I'm off to the G20 tonight before going to Glasgow, Glasgow. And one of the issues I'm going to be raising in these platforms are going to be treated like publishers. And we can't have all of those trolls on. Like, we, we just can't have the trolls on. Listen to this. Listen to the words. I'm, I'm going off. I'm heading off to the fucking world leader forum. Karen sent me flaccid with the diamond. Your voice set off pheromones. It's no homo Sagittarius. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> you know, tonight we're going off to the G20 and I'm going to sit down with all of the other world leaders and we're going to, I'm going to talk about how we need to get rid of these trolls out there. We've, there's too much trolling going on. So we need to change the concept of privacy online in order to do it. We'll just change the law. We'll just change the rule. Fuck it. And this is the sad part, you know, even though I love, you know, the Constitution and I think it's a great document and I love, you know, I don't have anything against America, right? Many of you are American. We get on fine. But it used to make me smile when people would say things like, well, that's not going to happen here because we've got the Constitution. It's like, yeah, but look, we had one too. (laughs) They'll just change the rules, mate. They'll just, they'll just, what is it about the last 50 years that has you believing that they don't just do what they want somehow? Through the eight years of Obama, all I heard about was how Obama is ignoring the Constitution and doing unconstitutional things. Great. Didn't fucking stop him. (laughs) Did it? Didn't fucking stop him. Sad but true. So they'll just, you know, they'll just do what they want. So I'm off to the G20 tonight before going to Glasgow. And one of the issues I'm going to be raising is these platforms are going to be treated like publishers and we can't have all of these trolls online. If you want to go and say something online, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, this is the next quote. If you want to go and say something online, well, you've got to say who you are. (laughs) (laughs) Hey? The Conservative Prime Minister. There you go. That's the spirit. That's the spirit. Let's let's dampen discussion. Let's put a big wet blanket over it. The, the, the boomers' final act before they depart and shuffle off the mortal coil will be to destroy the internet. 
the very thing that made the internet what it is and this like this open fucking wild west marketplace of you know sharing ideas good or bad but it's the sharing that counts right and it's like an old western and you walk out your spurs are clicking behind you and people are shooting at you from inside the saloon <laughs> you're trying to duck and just get back to your get back to your blacksmith's fucking shed at the back of the town there you don't know who's going to roll into town if they're going to be starting trouble. You'll have to call the sheriff, right? No. They're, they are their last, you know, kind of defiant act of rage before they move on in the timeline and leave what they make for us to kind of manage and deal with. <laughs> their last defiant act will be to just completely destroy the internet and turn it into a thing of the past. And I think it's a good thing because obviously uh, we need to keep people safe, especially the children. Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce said the government was serious. We're serious about this. <laughs> the motivation is now there at the federal level in Australia, at the highest level in the United States and other corners of the globe, ladies and gentlemen. The United States, come on down! Hey! Really should have this preloaded, shouldn't I? There's one particular one, it's the old one, and I can never find it. There we go. <laughs> there we go, this. for everybody's new favourite game show. China, come on down! Come on down, China. Australia, come on down! Get another shrimp on the barbie, Australia. And the United States of America, come on down! You're the next contestants on It'll Never Happen Here! It's good to have it back, isn't it? It's been a while. Felt good belting that one out. The motivation is now there. At the federal level in Australia, at the highest level in the United States. Thank you, Joe Biden. Joe Biden's going to destroy the internet, ladies and gentlemen. Isn't it nice? Hey, no more mean tweets for anyone. <laughs> I am shaking invisible maracas as we speak. <laughs> no more mean tweets for anybody. So now we have the motivation at the highest levels in the United States to finally crack down on anonymous trolling, ladies and gentlemen, on the internet. It's time to bring it's time to bring the dangerous trolls out of the shadows. And to do so. We will, as the government, pass various laws, which means these 
you know, social media platforms, or as I like to call them, coward's castles. No, no, sorry, coward's palace. They've they've even got the quote there in the article. Look, look. <laughs> the Prime Minister has previously slammed, quote, the coward's palace of social media. <laughs> the coward's palace. So finally, we have the motivation in the United States. We're going to we're going to take a big stick to the coward's palace of social media. And we are just going to change the rule and make these social media platforms hand over your personal information. And after we get it with that they said earlier in the article, we will put you before the courts. <laughs> they are very bluntly telling you what's going to happen next. Sometimes people are like, hey, Boogs, how did you... Boogs got it right again. He's Nostra Boogie. It's like, no, they tell you They tell you what they're doing every day. Yep, yep. we're going to bring them out of the shadows and we're going to throw them in front of the courts for defamation and trolling. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. I've got a fun one for you here. A friend uh, shared this, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to love this. Super cold. Thousands across the UK come down with the, quote, worst cold ever. <laughs> it's happening again. It's happening again. It is happening again. We're doing it again. Folks, it's happening again. You don't say. Thousands of people are coming down with, quote, the worst cold ever as this country reopens after coronavirus lockdowns, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thousands of people across the UK are coming down with the worst cold ever as the country reopens from coronavirus lockdowns. Stories about the, quote, super cold have dominated British media in recent weeks, and there have been tens of thousands of internet searches for, quote, worst cold ever. I don't know what's going on anymore. I've officially become old enough to say I've got no idea what's happening. This is far beyond my worst nightmares. <laughs> I don't know about you. I I feel like we're we're trapped in some kind of meme prison that's like uh, a hall of mirrors. Right? We're surrounded by these mirrored memes and we're in all of the memes, but they're all the classics. And we're just kind of fumbling around, reaching out, touching the glass, looking for a way through the meme fucking prison that we're in find our way out. Every time we, we round a corner, we ro- we run into another meme. We're stuck there again. A snow globe carrier monkey. Very nice thought. That would at least be pleasant because we'd have a nice little cabin, you know, in the globe. It's just that every couple of hours during Christmas time, every couple of hours, some kid's going to pick us up and all of our shit will, you know, fly up into the roof and then back down and we'll have to clean up in the next morning when we're put back the way we're supposed to be. But other than that, it's a very pleasant little existence in the snow globe. This is far worse, I think. 
Stories about the super cold have dominated British media in recent weeks, and there have been tens of thousands of internet searches for the words worst cold ever. Many have taken to Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok to complain that they're unable to shake the bug. It's the forever cold. Reported symptoms include sandpaper throat, head and body aches, runny nose and fatigue, sometimes lasting for weeks. Day eight, I think of super cold. So super cold is now... This will be the new fucking term. Get ready for it. Because, you you know, we're coming... It's Our white boy summer is just around the corner for us. It's springtime. It's hot outside. Birds are chirping. The, 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 you know, the trees are fucking greening up again. It's a lovely time. Summer starts in December. So we're looking good. But you guys are, are kind of rolling right back into a winter. And it's going to be a lockdown vax booster winter. Mandated winter. I'm telling you, I just got out of one. (laughs) That's why we're seeing the booster shot stories. That's why we're seeing reports of quote-unquote super colds. Benjamin Butterworth from the I newspaper said, quote, every bit of my body aches, feel like I've I've just run a marathon just from being awake, seems the worst cold ever might have got me. While symptoms overlap with COVID-19, super cold sufferers report testing negative for the virus. Oh no, we've got a new super sleuthy fucking... (laughs) So even though it's got the same symptoms, they're testing negative. No, no, it's just a cold. Thank God. (laughs) Listen to this. Nearly 68% of people in the UK are fully vaccinated. Well done, UK. And the country has started offering booster shots ahead of winter. Good, get your boosters. According to the UK's Zoe COVID symptom study, there has been an increasing crossover in symptoms between COVID-19 and the cold. (laughs) How do you like that? At the, <laughs> at the beginning of the pandemic, the main distinguishing COVID-19 symptoms were thought to be fever, cough, and loss of smell. Millions of reports to the Zoe COVID study app have since... There's an app for everything, isn't there? Since identified more than 20 symptoms of COVID-19, including headache, runny nose, cur- sneezing, and sore throat. Over the past 18 months, the pattern of symptoms have changed as the virus has evolved and more people have been vaccinated, the website says. Many of the symptoms of COVID-19 are now the same as a regular cold, especially for people who have received two doses of the vaccine, making it hard to tell the difference. Quote, quote, trust the science, bro. Trust the science, my man. The health science community, uh, the health science company, pardon me, says loss of smell or loss of taste are still the most important predictors of testing for COVID-19 rather than a regular cold. So it's an important symptom to look for whether you've been vaccinated or not. Interesting. We are just we are just collecting a lovely little array of quotes here, aren't we, for our file. <laughs> Experts have said it's likely due to weakened immune systems in patients aged 15 to 44. 
Uh, oh, no, pardon me. Experts have said it's likely due to weakened immune systems after nearly two years of lockdowns and social distancing. And this is what my friend said to me when he sent this link through. Was because he said, who would have thought that locking people up in their own homes for two years would have weakened their immune system? <laughs> a great article. So I want to read that part for you again because I butchered it last time, all right? The calls mainly related to difficulty breathing, particularly in patients aged 15 to 44. Experts have said it's likely due to weakened immune systems after nearly two years of lockdowns and social distancing. (laughs) So we have, here we have what, it's not COVID, what we have is it's a super cold, okay? It's not COVID, it's the super cold. And the reason we have the super cold, which is so symptomatically like COVID that the experts cannot tell the difference, okay, which is in the article, (laughs) because people test negatives, all right? So the symptoms are very similar. Their words were, it overlaps. They couldn't say the same. They had to say overlaps to make it seem like less of the same, (laughs) right? So it's the same symptoms. (laughs) You test negative for COVID. Therefore, okay, it's not COVID. It's the super cold. And the reason we have the super cold specifically is because of the things we were doing to stop from getting COVID. 2021, ladies and gentlemen. 2021 is off its fucking tits, mate. Off its tits. What a year. All right. Well, we've got to keep people safe. How are we going to keep people safe? Let's see. Safety in all its glory. Australian children as young as five could be eligible for a COVID jab within weeks as the booster rollout for aged care residents gets underway. We have reporters across the country this morning. Let's go first to federal politics reporter Jonathan Kersley in Canberra. Jono. 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 How you, how you going, Jono? Now, Jono, let's get something, let's get someone familiar, someone people like. Let's make it very informal when we tell them about the new Jabs for Kids rollout. <laughs> hey, Jono, what do you think of this? Yeah, everything's pretty fucking good up here, mate. And can we expect a decision on kids? Your kids. Good morning, Ali. The Therapeutic Your Goods kids. Administration. The when, when can we expect the unelected, you know... <laughs> The non-elected bureaucratic body, when can we expect to, for them to make a ruling on my children and their health, please? When can we do that? Can we hurry it along? You know, the longer you drag this out, the more likely it is I'll have a random flare-up of convictions. Later to be accused of being a racist, of course. So when can we expect... Jono, when can we expect the bureaucrats to make a decision on what to do with our own children? When can we get that? Because <laughs> I'm desperate. I need it now. I don't know what to do. He's just running around. He's got a bag over his head. He's shitting all over the floor. I don't know what to do with him. So I need the experts to come out and tell me, do we stick a needle in this kid or what? Is it going to shut him up? It better. Oh, I thought you said there'd be side effects, but instead he's just running around crazy like normal. I hope he. I hope he was going to get the super cold, knock him out for a couple of weeks. 
expect a decision on kids. Good morning, Ali. The Therapeutic Goods Administration, the medicines regulator here in Australia, says a decision could be made by the end of November. Sure. It would then be up to the vaccine advisory group at Targi to make its decision and then the government to implement a rollout. So, th- <laughs> How many layers? <laughs> OK, so I'm sure you've heard the term government is a slow-moving beast. Again, we can pass, you know, draconian social media laws within three days, but apparently it takes two months to figure out whether or not we should stick needles in kids' arms, right? And the reason it takes two months is not because it's a particularly arduous process, but because there's three people dipping their dicks into the custard, getting a taste of it. There's three different departments, and in fact, there's probably more than three departments because those departments probably have departments, so it's got to go through the process, the process of the bureaucracy. Things have to be signed. Things have to be sent off. Emails must be, you know, exchanged. You know, graphs compiled, Excel spreadsheets and whatnot. You know, it's got to be passed around all of the various little auxiliary little industries around government. So... Uh, we'll have a descent. We'll have a decision late November. So we'll tell you what to do with your kids then. Okay. What do you think about that? Theoretically, it could start for the 2 million plus children aged 5 to 11 before the end of the year. It's already been approved by the Food and Drug Administration in America. It goes right. off to the Centre for Diseases they Control. Never, they there. never get anything yesterday- wrong, do they? They never get anything wrong. Why did they all, why did they start changing the names of them? Did you notice that? Did did we figure that the first name wasn't cool enough or if we change the name if we change the name people will get it because they they think it's not a fax. <laughs> right? Is that why they changed it? So you know, no, we're not calling it Pfizer anymore. We're calling it Extreme Turbo Dragon. Nice. Fucking pump that shit into me. <laughs> Have you taken your Pfizer vaccine? No, and I'm not going to. Fuck you. It's my choice. Right. Hey, have you tried... Have you tried Hyper Turbo Dragon? No. But I'm listening. What could go wrong? Today, the government was asked about whether it would introduce a no-jab-no-pay policy, essentially stripping welfare off parents who don't have their primary school-aged children vaccinated. Health Minister Greg Hunt says the government doesn't have any plans for that, but we know... Curb shifter in the chat, Turbo Dragon. Now you're talking. (laughs) See, you you might be willing to taste the little Turbo Dragon on a Friday night, perhaps. There's a drive through <laughs> I can just drive through and I'll pump the Turbo Dragon right into me and off I go to the clubs? Fuck yeah. Absolutely, bro. Just fill in this vaccine passport. Wait, vaccine? Don't worry. That's just what the normies call Turbo Dragon. <laughs> Fuck yeah. You'll have to find a vein under my scrot, though, because I've used all the ones in my arms. To, exactly, Turbo Dragon. And territory health authorities have incredible powers during the course of a pandemic. So, again, theoretically, state governments could introduce their own type of health restrictions. Oh, good. More. <laughs> it's, not, it's not enough that the federal government... Look, 
The federal government can have a crackdown. We're about to engage in a war on social media trolls, so that'll be a positive for everyone, I'm sure. We're going to start, you know, making rules about that. And, you know, guess what? The state governments, they can, if they think that they haven't gone far enough, then they can enact their own layer of bureaucracy. They can do their own studies and have their own fines and their own laws too. <laughs> not, like, not in spite of or not as opposed to. No, 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 as well. <laughs> Fucking great, isn't it? All right, what else have we got here? Should we open up the Discord or not? I don't know, man. I only got a couple more things. No, I won't. Not tonight. No one, no one really wants to talk anyway. Just kick back and relax, and I'll do the talking for you. <laughs> okay. Everyone prefers it that way. Don't look at me. I'm just giving people what they want. It's not you. It's me. I've got a couple more items here for you. We've effectively been locked inside Australia, and it's not all Australia stuff. We've effectively been locked inside Australia for 18 months now, but that is about to change with the last major hurdle to international travel scrapped today, ladies and gentlemen. Travel is back on the cards. Woo! Woo! We can travel again. Isn't it wonderful? We've been effectively locked in Australia for 18 months, yeah. but that is about to change with the last major hurdle to international travel scrapped really? today. Wow. Here's Lizzie Thank Pearl you with so much. What You Need to Know. What You Need to Know. Well, first of all, I need to know who authorised this green screen shot here. This can't be allowed. Why are why are media operations now slowly turning into kind of cheap corporate PR firms? <laughs> Look at this. This is what you expect to see on a, an airline training video, even though they have planes that they could do training videos in. Well, the customer usually sits here. Okay. What you need to know. Ladies and gentlemen, take your seats. Travel overseas without an exemption is back on from really? November 1. No exemption sounds interesting. Okay, no exemption. That seems like an important thing. They did put it up there on the screen. November 1, travel overseas, no exemptions. All right. Now, forgive my cynicism. <laughs> Because we have watched, haven't we, time after time after time on this show, where people have said things like, for example, it's an emergency two-week extension, okay, of the COVID powers. It's just an emergency two-week extension, and then that's it. Two more weeks. That's it. We've got, that's all we've got. And then, of course, two weeks rolls around. We decided to extend our emergency extension because uh, we're not safe yet. We could be safer. We need to protect people and whatnot. Now, we've also heard them refer to when, you know, just say you have a quote-unquote hard lockdown. They'll announce it's the end of lockdown. And you think, oh, great. Does that mean I can do what I want? No, 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 no. No, you still have to scan in. You still have to wear a mask. You still have to uh, pick up only at certain stores. You still can't travel, you know, outside of... Oh, 
but you said it's the end of lockdown. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're now allowing four unvaccinated friends to go over to your house. Therefore, it's the end of lockdown. Oh, so. So, so lockdown now only describes apparently the most extreme version of, you know, having your freedoms taken away. Then, then any subsequent level before that, oh, it's basically freedom just with some restrictions, right? Again, it's the, it's the Ollie Robinson situation. It's the kneeling for the flag situation. Taking, you know, your idea of freedom and turning it back on you. Putting the shotgun in your mouth. Now, double vaccinated Australians will be allowed to leave the country and return without quarantine. So, no exemption, double vaccinated. <laughs> There are no exemptions. For example, double vaccinated people can travel. Oh, good. But you said no exemptions. It looks like you're exempting everybody except them. (laughs) Right? No exemptions except for all of you. Fuck. The vaccination. Rhetoric. They just say things. Openly lie. Openly lying from one sentence to the next. No exemptions. Okay, only double vaxxed. <laughs> but you just you just said no exemptions, did I? Is that right? Yes, of course. What are you, stupid? You science-denying bigot? Of course, there's no exemptions. Everyone double vaxxed can travel. <laughs> Rule applies to everyone over the age of 12. Under over the age of 12. Under 12s aren't required to be vaccinated, but once the vaccines become available to younger children, which could be next month, it is advised they be immunised before heading to a foreign country. We're just going to make this part of your routine now. I'm telling you, by this time next year, the COVID vaccine will just be considered part of the the, the range of vaccines that kids are given now. Mark my words. Save this post. Save this post. They, because why? Because informational blitzkrieg, man. They'll just move the debate past you. You'll still be sitting here having the debate whether or not it's right to vaccinate children with the COVID vaccine. You'll be having that debate a year from now, but they'll be talking about, um, you know, they'll be debating whether or not they should give them boosters every three months or every six months because they've already, you know, decided that it's okay to do it. In fact, we're just going to make it part of their regular vaccine routine. And we're going to, that by, you know, by associating it with the regular vaccines that you have to take every other time you, and before you send your kids off to school, then they'll make them all mandatory because the COVID vaccine will be part of it, right? So not only do you have to take the COVID vaccine, but you'll have to take all of the other kind of kitty ma- uh, vaccines that we want you to take as well. We're bundling it up in a nice big package. So you'll be required to do that. Of course, you know, there will be no exemptions. Maybe that's what they mean by no exemptions. More like a Lionel Hutz kind of approach to <laughs> no exemptions, right? Double vaccinated only, no exemptions. <laughs> Maybe that's what they mean. <laughs> right? Like, no religious exemptions, no medical exemptions, 
No freedom of choice exemptions. Double vaccinated. No exemption. I think that's the real... And they just kind of cleverly did it a little bit differently, didn't they? Because they're very clever like that. But we fucking got them. We caught them, didn't we? No! Money down! <laughs> Fuck you. Works on a contingency basis? No! Money down! <laughs> The vaccination rule applies to everyone over the age of 12. Under 12s aren't required to be vaccinated, but once the vaccines become available to younger children, which could be next month, it is advised they be immunised before heading to a foreign country. A lot of airlines will need passengers to have also returned a negative COVID test prior to takeoff. So where can we go? Well, Singapore is the latest country to announce it will welcome Aussies and that... <laughs> What is going on? The news is a, has become a corporate PR firm hired to advertise a travel agency. Look at this! Wow. So where can us where can us double vaxxed Australians go? Well, good news. Singapore is letting. See. Oh, you mean that little fascist little country at the fucking bottom around Malaysia there? Oh, that sounds good. That's that's the country where they give you 50 lashes of the whip if you have chewing gum on the street, isn't it? <laughs> wow, that sounds that sounds better than here. <laughs> Imagine getting out of lockdown and going to fucking Singapore. <laughs> Seriously, if you if you like spit gum out on the street or something in Singapore, they give you 20 or 50, whatever it is. They fucking hit you with a fucking whip. The cat of nine tails. <laughs> it's canings. That's right. And they strap your legs to the cane and it's across. It's, I think it's across the backside. Is it not? Across the ass, A bare ass with the cane. Fuck. So... So we're finally allowed, after nearly two years, apparently, we're going to be finally allowed out of our little country where we've been, you know, had people chased off the beach by riot cops and all kinds of chicanery going on. <laughs> so we're finally allowed out of our little prison island once again. And the first suggestion they say is, why not try Singapore instead? <laughs> where, you, where you'll get 20 of, 20 of the best with the cane. If you're on the street having chewing gum. Fuck. Hey, everybody's looking forward to going to Singapore. Where can we go? Well, Singapore is the latest <laughs> country so to announce excited. it will welcome Aussies, <laughs> and that will be from November 8. Thailand is opening Thailand. to Australians from next week. All you sex pests, don't worry. We've got you and your dick covered. <laughs> Look, we're running out of Thai massage workers in this country. We need to open the borders so we can ship more in. Hey, why don't you head over to Thailand? The girls, the girls over there have been missing the Australian tourists so much, they're basically starving to death. They'll do it very cheap. I don't mean that. I like Thailand. Thailand is only seedy in a couple of places. They have a couple of red light district places. The rest of the country is really spiritual and conservative. If you get the chance, Karen sent me flaccid with the diamonds. She can be she can be Slum World Tour Inc. liaison Boog Smash Man. You're, the longer the show goes, the less coherent your messages become every time. <laughs> So 
<laughs> As the show develops, Karen sent me Flaccid's diamonds just descend into fucking incoherent babble. <laughs> I got no idea what you're talking about, man. <laughs> Flights between Sydney and Los Angeles hey, and Sydney LA, and London are also London. back from Fuck. November 1. And Fiji is an option from December 1. Wow, Australia Fiji. will open our border to skilled workers and international students really? before the end of the year. That's nice of Lizzie, us. Lizzie, thank you. Thank you, Lizzie. Isn't that wonderful? Head off to Singapore. You're going to have a hell of a day. Uh, follow Boogie with a diamond. 50 lashes for uh, for me this Sunday. Big 5-0. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to follow Boogie in the chat, ladies and gentlemen. Our former friend passed the potato. Our former friend follow Q. Look at that. The big 5-0, eh? Good luck to you. China's Xi Jinping is pushing for a COVID QR code. He may struggle to convince the world. I had this in here to marry up with that one there. Scott Morrison declares war on Facebook trolls and wants G20 on board. Xi Jinping wants a global QR code. He may struggle to convince the world. No, no, Xi Jinping, they're convincing themselves. They'll, they'll have it. It'll be ready to go. But there's a little promotional little video here from CNN, which is called How China is Using Big Tech to Fight Coronavirus. Let's see if we find any similarities, shall we? We noticed the start of this effort back in mid-February, arriving in Shanghai from Beijing. Each arriving passenger required to write down health and travel history and register for your personal QR or barcode. Personal barcode, his words. Hell yeah. Get your own personal barcode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but the only deal, you're not printing it on the back of your neck. You're not getting it tattooed on the back of your neck like a savage. No, no, we'll just have you carry it around in your mandatory phone wallet. How do you like that? It's so convenient. You've been traveling away from China. Because we wouldn't want to force anyone to get a tattoo. I mean, forcing needles into people, you know. The passport is no. A few weeks later, and Shanghai had rolled out its uh-huh. QR codes citywide. Yeah. Walking into a restaurant, hotel, shopping mall, you're expected to show it. Here in Shanghai, shop owners and hotel managers have told us a green means you're clear to go in. Look familiar? We're just following everything China has already done. Everything. The whole system. From the bottom to the top, we are just copying it. Yellow or red? Suggest you've been in an area with high exposure to the virus, and it could mean quarantine. It is all part of contact tracing, an effort to track and contain confirmed cases. Here in China, it's done on the widely used WeChat and Alipay apps. To stop the spread of the virus, contact tracing is an essential step. And yeah. this is why a similar initiatives are being adopted in many places around the world. <laughs> but they're the leaders. They're the front runners. They're the pioneers. Make no mistake of it. 
Major Chinese tech companies are finding other innovations amid the outbreak. Yep. CNN's like from Alibaba. He does artificial intelligence research. He says more than 160 hospitals in China and others in Japan are using the CT image analytics to help diagnose coronavirus. The whole approach is nearly 60 times faster than human detection. Alibaba also turning to genome sequencing, analyzing the virus's DNA to help diagnose the virus. They say they can screen 20 samples simultaneously. The tech giant also involved in tracking future hotspots of the virus. It's future all giving hotspots. the company potential access to so much personal health data, raising <laughs> privacy concerns. Privacy concerns. <laughs> Some people out there, it's our favorite line on the show. Some people out there have some concerns, don't they? There's always those pesky people talking about freedoms and privacy and whatnot. They always, they're always out there fucking up our plans because of their concerns. Hey, some people have some concerns out there. <laughs> it's all you ever get is concerns. So we don't store any data. We just no. analyze it and then pass the result. Yeah, so the hospital, so the hospital stores it. <laughs> We don't store any data. We just analyze it and then pass it on to the people who store it. <laughs> okay. Wow, that's that's very different. They use it as a reference to assist uh, their own medical judgment. Yes. What about the government, though? Particularly with the QR codes, personal, local data, and health information. Uh -huh. It might prove effective in containing the spread, but is it the start of China using a pandemic to closely track its citizens? <laughs> If you're listening to the podcast and you can't see the watermark in the bottom right hand of the screen, big CNN emblazoned on the side of it. <laughs> Could this possibly be the government using this as an excuse to <laughs> surveil its citizens? No, of course not. Coming up after the break, why the New York government is now instituting the very same QR system that China already has. <laughs> it's about protecting people and keeping them safe. Wow, fantastic. Thank you, Bill de Blasio. Where did you get those fries? And those potentially of other countries, should they export this technology? Local governments using the QR have publicly posted they will discontinue them as soon as the outbreak ends. <laughs> yes, of course you will. It's just two more weeks, you guys. Don't worry. The super cold is just around the corner. <laughs> There's no need to stop now. We're having so much fun. All right. I don't know what this is. This is something that I scanned past and I thought, well, I don't know what that is and it might be interesting, it might be terrible. Let's have a look. Shot spotter. What is gunshot detection technology and is it effective? Now, I don't know what gunshot detection technology is, but I'm kind of curious to find out. So let's have a look. A computer can get a lot of information from a waveform. That's the basic premise behind ShotSpotter, that an algorithm can detect a gunshot. What makes the system so compelling, we believe, is the fact that a full 80 to 95% of gunfire goes unreported. Small mics are placed around a neighborhood.
I'm seeing some people in the chat saying they already use this in American cities. Well, lucky you kept your guns, huh? <laughs> lucky you kept your guns because now they'll be able to triangulate your position down to the meter. Good job, everyone. Hey? Lucky we kept our guns. You'd give your guns away. <laughs> You owning a gun definitely stopped this from happening. <laughs> we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not eavesdropping on anyone. This is about safety. <laughs> Lucky you kept your guns because now if you ever need to discharge one, we'll be there even faster. Thank God. <laughs> 12 pack. Shh. Shh. He's shushing me. <laughs> Me in the chat. <laughs> what? what was, was it something I said? <laughs> when a gunshot is fired, the mics pick up that sound. There's going to be a lot of pillows with bullet holes in them, isn't there? <laughs> along it to reach the sensor and from which direction, effectively triangulating. The Amazingly, on Google this week, how to build a silencer was one of the top search items. Shot. Then a human analyst reviews the information human analysts. and alerts the police. Good, good. So we're listening to that. We're looking how far does the sound travel. Dude, that sounds like gunfire today. In this case... Biden Times says Baltimore uses cameras. Baltimore uses more than fucking cameras, my friend. A couple of years ago, we covered the story on this show where Baltimore has the literal Iraq war uh, spy drones flying over the city 24 hours a fucking day, brother. they got way more than... They've got cameras that never stop in the sky. And at the time, it's it's the same company that flew the drones during the Iraq war. It's the same drones. The same actual drones, modified, of course. You know, we took... I guess we, they took the weapons capabilities off it. That was pretty short-sighted. <laughs> so, you know, could have come in handy and so on and so on. So the same drones that used to fly around in, in Iraq looking for, you know, would-be terrorists and whatnot and usurpers and insurgents is now flying overhead of people in Baltimore. Are they Baltimoreans? What do you call people from Baltimore? Who, who cares? <laughs> so they're flying around over the head of the Baltimore people and they were asked before this was brought in, do you agree with this? 70% of people asked said yes. And then you've got to think it's even worse. So you might think, well, I'm in the 30%. No, you're not in the 30% because of the 30%, probably about half of them voted no because they didn't know what it was. So you're more like 15% of people who are like, no, I don't think it's a good idea to have spy drones flying over the city 24 hours a day watching everybody. I don't think that's good. I don't think we should set that tone culturally, don't you think? We're all about setting cultural tones. Why does that one get to just slip through the cracks? Why is, why is prison state allowed to exist culturally, but I can't wear a Mexican hat? <laughs> I can't wear a sombrero to get drunk at the Christmas party. But culturally, culturally, we're allowed to have microphones in the streets and drones over our heads. How did that happen? This is how much we care about, <laughs> care about protecting people, I guess. That's our culture now. Shut up and kneel. Curb shifter in the chat. Exactly. Might be right. We've got a directional sensor pattern. I'm going to call it 
gunfire. Gunfire. Wow. Ask I send it over to our agency, and you can look up there. It just popped up right Someone now. said they had this in Chicago. Again, it doesn't stop many shootings, does it? <laughs> if if uh, they they probably won't mention that it's used in Chicago because it's not a very good advertisement for the system, is it? Yes, we can detect more gunfire, and we haven't slept in three fucking days. The coffee machine is going non-stop. It's every 30 seconds we're hearing another mark. We can't even keep up. I've got three monitors to track this shit, for fuck's sake. So it was that quickly there are going to be police going to that location Correct. right now. Jesus. The police in the Californian city of Fresno say one of their shooting incidents proves shot spotters effectiveness. In April 2017, Corey Ali Muhammad decided he wanted to shoot as many white men as he could. Nine one one, state your emergency. It just sounded like there were a bunch of gunshots. How many shots? Fifteen or sixteen. Fresno police officer Bill Dooley describes. Bill what Dooley, William Dooley. He comes up to the officer Dooley. <laughs> Looks like a pretty nice neighbour. It looks like the kind of neighbourhood an officer Dooley would patrol, swinging his baton in a you know in a festive fashion, whistling as he goes. The uh, the passenger side where the uh, the first victim is. Officer Dooley reporting for duty. Is uh, lifts up his weapon and fires four shots uh, and kills our first victim. This is when our very first shot spotter activation comes out. Mohammed went on to kill two other people in the space of 90 seconds. Whoa. Whoa. He, you know, let's be fair here, probably caused by racism, I think. Why else would he be in that neighborhood? He was in there getting oppressed from people. And, uh, you know, they kind of, they probably brought it on themselves, let's be fair. Although there were plenty of 911 calls, they were delayed and unspecific. Good. You know, it's all about efficiency. Shot spotter, however, was alerting police to his route, one shot at a time. Police identified where he was going and arrested him. Shotspotter gave us the clear path that he was taking. So for you, Shotspotter in, in this scenario was essential? Oh, absolutely. Shotspotter is the reason why we were able to apprehend him and stop that killing spree. What if I told you that this rock keeps bears away? Do you see any bears around here? like to buy your rock. Shot spotter was essential. <laughs> Didn't we just do police work once upon a time? <laughs> All of these, every single kind of, every single kind of push and drive to just manifest more surveillance, more listening, more watching, more capture, more data capture, every time. It's always, always, always. No, no, this is essential. We must have this. We absolutely must have it. It's always wrapped up in a big, pretty package with a nice, pretty bow around it. But inside the package is just a human shit. 
Monorail. Monorail. Is there a chance the track could bend? Not in your life, my Hindu friend. Where are you sent here by the devil? No good, sir. I'm on the level. The ring came off my pudding can. Use my penknife, my good man. I swear it's Springfield's only choice. Throw up your hands and raise your voice. Morrell! 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 But Main Street's still all cracked and broken. Sorry, Mom, the mob has spoken. Morrell! 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 Mono. Uh, I saw this earlier. We're getting close to the end of the show here, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us on your Friday night. By the way, don't forget to follow some of our friends. I think Irrational Times will be on at 9. Everyone's favourite lover of French pussy will be around at 10. Um, who else you got? Winning TV will be on at some point tomorrow, tonight, whenever. Tomorrow. And Sunday now. Uh, Victor Von Trum's doing a, a, a Halloween marathon or something right now. So you could always dip over and say hello to Victor. Coffee Talk with Sandra. Sunday Night Shit Show, of course. Major Tom. Joy of Pessy's final boobaween act this, uh, this weekend. Check out Joy of Pessy. Uh, who else you got? The Bros. JJ Stoner. Met Royce. Uh, not met, but I was on Joy of Pessy with Royce a couple of weeks ago. That was fun. Very funny guy. Um, Daywave Radio. Who else you got? Got all the guys, you know everyone, you know everyone. Iceman, the Rice Man, double four, double three. Check them out as well. Check out all our friends. Our real person, PLTCS, Coffee Talk with Sandra. Right. Uh, I don't know what's going on here. This is another one that I just kind of grabbed and threw in the file. I didn't watch at all, but uh, it says it's entitled, pardon me, Congressman wears mask on house floor with not so secret message, and it's eight and a half minutes long. And I thought, could CNN possibly spend eight and a half minutes? Coffee Talk with Sandra with the Diamond. Thank you for the Coffee Talk with Sandra Diamond. Coffee Talk with Sandra. DLive.tv slash Coffee Talk with Sandra. So I thought, can CNN possibly spend eight and a half minutes talking about a Republican's choice of face mask? Now, as you'll know, I, I you know what? I should have had this ready. Fucking idiot. Because <laughs> there's an opportunity here, ladies and gentlemen to do what we do best in the world of live streaming, and that is shameless fucking self-promotion. If I can find the link. <laughs> Wait, the link's in my own bio. I'm an idiot sometimes. Let's bring it up. No, this is worth Ring it. Ring the bell and, and get, get your, your cheese, cheese man. man. Thank you for the sub. Thank you for the gifted subs. Very nice of you. All right, I'll find it. Mute you. Don't want any own bio. Oh, I'm God. Um, where is my shit? Here we go. Unless unless the store's been taken down, which is why I can't find the link, which is possible, I guess. Not that there's anything particularly spicy on there, but who knows? I just don't check it. Um, where's my little mask on? No! Oh, no! There it is. Found it. So, of course, can CNN spend eight and a half minutes talking about a Republican's choice of mask. 
Now, I'm not against this in any way, shape or form because you can head to the Daily Boogie Teespring store and get this mask, ladies and gentlemen, which is of my own design. A black mark, classic black and white template. A black mark, no branding on it whatsoever, so you don't have to admit that you got it from the Daily Boogie store, okay? In fact, you know what? You can take the words and put it on your own damn mask, and I don't even care. But if you would rather purchase one, then there you have it. Black mask, white writing, your mother is a whore. That'll do. That's for those times. That's for those times and those moments when you want to say you're being forced to put a mask on and you'd like to make a statement. That's what that's for. So let me put that in the chat for you. So you're in a store. You're in a store and somebody, some peasant comes up to you and says, you know, "Uh, excuse me, sir, could you please put on a mask? You say, no problem, of course, I'd love to. And you whack that sucker on. Your mother is a whore and you go about your day. All right. We think of everything here on the Daily Book. All right. So can CNN talk about a congressman wearing a mask for eight minutes? Let's find out. Developing overnight, President Biden is once again refusing to assert executive privilege over more documents that former President Trump is trying to keep out of the hands of the committee that is investigating the... Well, this isn't anything to do about a mask. The Capitol insurrection. Okay, what else you got? So interesting that, you know, given another, maybe not surprising that given another whack, the Biden administration says, yeah, no, we're, we're still not releasing these. But this is still... Oh, okay. The so National Archives, right? We're so- now a minute 45 in, so they've, they've rickrolled us with the name of the video. I want to see them pissing and moaning about somebody's mask. Oh, right at the end, God. Let's see. Is a... Because, I mean, look, I also don't want to pretend... Okay. Go to it would be a, a huge. Come on, people who don't see it. Oh no, it's much earlier. It keeps, it's okay. Uh, claim right there, it's Maggie. A, it's, a, it's an extraordinary claim, but again, it's being Maggie Haberman. Yes, we don't know where it's going to come out. I just yep. think it's really important. I, again, it, they may get ruled against, and and, and ladies and gentlemen, of course, it's barely worth mentioning at this point. One million internets for the person who is the first to say it. If no one said it already, you know what I'm getting at. You know what we're looking at right here, don't you? You know it. Jim word in the chat. BFG, baby. Every single time. I was only thinking last night I was having a nice wine and a cigarette after work, right? And I saw another example of the BFG and I thought to myself, BFG is no longer just some fucking theory. BFG is my religion now. I know. I know the cult. I know their game. I know the way they... Th- I've discovered the, the chink in their armour. I've found the secret symbol, and now I have to, like Nicolas Cage in National Treasure, go through a series of clues to find what I'm looking for. But I'm on the trail, right? (laughs) Got my nose right up their assholes. Every single time, ladies and gentlemen, bold framed glass. Every single time. nailed them. We got it. We've the secret cabal of the bold framed glasses. PS, if you want to grab that want to grab that mask again, your compulsory face mask, which is what it's called on the Daily Boogie store, your mother is a whore. Okay. Get one for mum. Get one for your mother. 
there's who think that that is the way it will go. But who knows with the court? Let's check out something that we saw on the House floor, which is a Republican member of Congress yes. wearing a mask that says, let's go, Brandon. This is a South Carolina congressman. It's pretty funny. Okay, you know what? I'll give him it. I'll give him it because I can't be against putting stupid things on masks because I sell one myself. So let's go, Brandon, <laughs> on the guy's mask. Now, again, this is the kind of thing that will make the people on a on a show like this, these people, right? Bold frame glasses wearers. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that will make them shift uneasily in their chair. This is the kind of thing that will make their asshole pucker. And it, you know, it, it will pucker so frantically, it will sound like a boat engine when it's out lifted out of the water. That'll be the sound of their sphincter slapping into itself through fears of anticipating ultimate fear. Fuck that up. Give me a break. It's been a long week. And this is a South Carolina Congressman Jeff Duncan. Jeff Duncan. And Duncan on Duncan. This stems from a crowded a NASCAR race yelling F Joe Biden. Oh, my God. But it was during the speech of the winner, Brandon Brown, and a commentator thought that the crowd was saying, let's go, Brandon. No, she didn't. <laughs> no, she didn't. Come on now. She knew. You know that she knew. You know that you're lying. Look at the look on her face. That the crowd was saying, let's go, Brandon. She knows. You know you're lying, and we know you're lying, and you know that we know you're lying, and we know that you know that we know that you're lying, and yet you continue to lie. So this is really just a substitute for F. Joe Biden, and you have a member of the House wearing this on the floor. I think it's a... <laughs> They, get, they really get their panties in a twist, don't they? They really do. And, and, uh, and I mean, it's just disgusting and immature. And a natural evolution from where we've been going over most of this past year, which really? has been basically, you know, whatever comedy that the Biden folks hoped was going to be there in, in Congress, uh, you know, hoping that the fever, quote unquote, as they put it, was going to break after Trump was not going to break. The Trump has these diehard supporters and there are people who frankly are not in Congress at this point to legislate. They're in Congress to troll and they're <laughs> Wow. So first of all, again, yet again, unsurprisingly, yes, of course, you do not adjust your monitors. You heard that correctly. Yes, it's Trump's fault again. Let's go, Brandon, is Trump's fault. <laughs> Brandon, I mean, sometimes you've got these Donald Trump trolls in Congress these days. Never mind that we covered at nauseum, you know, the early days of AOC. And I, to be fair, go back and listen to those shows back then. At no time was I fucking in the crowd of AOC's a dumb bitch and a dumb cunt and all. Of, I was never that. I said, no, 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 she's very smart. She's very smart at trolling right wingers into spreading her message. 
Remember the remember the days of the fucking two hour long, um, you know, Instagram. What do they call them? I don't know. She was live streaming while she was cooking dinner and stuff, right? Remember all those days. Remember all the trolling remarks, like Ilan Omar trolling constantly, like doing little dances and little TikToks and right. They love congressmen who are trolls. They love it. And that's that's where they've descended to, right? But I love that they get their panties in a twist over this, over this, fucking, this here, this, this, look at this. I mean, this is, this is Maggie fucking Haberman. <laughs> Stems from a crowded a NASCAR race. Crowded a NASCAR F race. Even, even when they describe things, they just sound so joyless and bleak, don't they? There's no soul. There's no personality. Uh, and a crowd is, is chanting, let's go uh, F Joe Biden. And then, uh, you know, that which she thought said, let's go Brandon. And, you know, and now you have just trolls in, in Congress. Trolls. They, you know, and this is all Donald Trump's fault. God. Just painful people not going to break the trump has these diehard supporters and there are trump, people who frankly is, what, aren't trump must be what the hell did i do here <laughs> you know what 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 the hell do i have to do no because a group of because people are chanting fuck joe biden it's it's because they are trump fans you see how this rhetoric just is allowed to be spewed around They eat the turds of their colleagues, regurgitate them, and then spread them on the faces of the viewers. That's what's happening here. All of their opinions and all of their little points are just regurgitated. They're caterpillared into them. Their lips are surgically attached metaphorically to the assholes of someone higher up the chain. And what they shit, you eat. And then you shit it out and spread it on our faces. Like a mother with a, a handkerchief cleaning, you know, a little dirt mark off off their kit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, mom, leave me alone. Oh. But instead, they're just wiping, they're shoveling their own feces, which is itself feces, regurgitated from higher ups. Rubbing it all in your face. Mm. You like that, don't you? Yeah. Oh. Taste that shit. Oh not in Congress at this point to legislate. They're in Congress to troll and they're in Congress to get attention and they're in Congress uh, uh. To, to, you know, best basically attack and not to do something that involves working with other lawmakers. And <laughs> it's so, it's so, look, it's so obvious that, again, there's no point, there's no point pointing out the contradictions for these people because they don't care about the fucking contradictions. You can explain the contradiction to it. They will look you in the face and say, who gives a fuck? It's not Trump. And they don't care. It's another thing we've been saying on this show for years, man. Don't waste your time with the contradictions. Don't waste your time debating people on Twitter. It's pointless. You're never going to change anyone's mind. <laughs> I swear to God. They don't care about the contradiction. They will just do it anyway. And that's what you see. I mean, this is not, there's nothing serious about this. This is literally done so that he will get attention. And it's working. It's just yeah. that- You're you doing know. it now! You're doing it, hello! 
Hello, sweetheart. Are you there? Can you hear me? Can you hear me in the back? You are doing it now. Fuck me. Get your get your your mother is a whore masks from the Daily Boogie store. Compulsory face mask. Just put that in the put that in the search when you're in Teespring. Compulsory face mask, you'll get it. Your mother is a whore. You're doing it now, Maggie! This is just to get attention. Basically attack and not to do something that involves working with other lawmakers. And, and that's what you see. I mean, this is not, there's nothing serious about this. This is literally- It's so pipe, like, I'm so above all this. <laughs> you know? That's the laughable part. Like, they're so above all this. And tomorrow it'll be Nancy Pelosi claps back at Republicans, you know, in in a- you know, in a brutal Instagram takedown, AOC claps back at bigots. <laughs> They're worse. They're far worse. Early done so that he will get attention. And it's working. It's just that it working. involves being on the House floor, which once upon a time was supposed to be something more of a, a respected space. Oh, I, I'm old enough to remember when the Democrats, remember when they sat in on the House floor for, for guns or whatever it was? <laughs> Let me bring up some shit now. Now you're forcing me to bring up some stuff. Let's have a little look. Let's see if my memory hath failed me yet. Okay, so the, the, the floor of the house is supposed to be respectful, right? It's supposed to be a respectful thing. Okay, CNN, the same network. Thank you very much, CNN. They make it so easy, man. They make it so easy. This video is entitled, the, it's from CNN's account. This video is entitled, The Best of the House Democrats 24-Hour Sit-In. Because what do, Maggie, can you repeat that statement for me, please, about the, the floor of the house? Quote, unquote, as they put it, was going to break after Trump. Was not going to break. The Trump has these diehard supporters, and there are people who, frankly, are not in Congress at this point to legislate. They're in really? Congress to troll. And right. They're in Congress to get attention. And okay. they're, in they're in Congress to get attention. Keywords to to you know best basically attack and not to do something that involves working with other lawmakers. And, and that's what you see. I mean, this is not. There's nothing serious about this. No. This is literally done so that he will get attention. And yeah. it's working. It's just yep. that it involves being on the House floor, which once upon a time was supposed to be something more of a, a respected space. And okay, they're just trying to get attention on the House floor, which once upon a time used to be a respected space. Yes, once upon a time, let me take you all the way back to dear old, age-old June 24, 2016. 2016, okay? <laughs> Let's take you to the good old days when the floor of the House used to be respected and it wasn't just about getting attention. We have laws hundreds and thousands of innocent people to gun violence. Rise up, Democrats. Rise up, Americans. This cannot stand. We will occupy this floor. Gee, I, you know what? I'd really be disappointed if somebody out there, ladies and gentlemen, was... Wearing something like this. I'd really be upset if somebody out there. I'd really be upset if I couldn't find that fucking one frame that I'm looking for. Here we go. I'd really be upset if someone out there was using the floor of Congress for a stunt to get attention. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be really upset by that? 
I mean, obviously, it's a sacred place. It's a sacred place of debate and sharing ideas. And it would be a terrible shame if someone were to abuse the privilege, right? And kind of turn it into a mockery and turn it into something where they could draw attention to themselves. Trolling, basically. Out there, basically trolling. Not like the good old days. The gun violence. Rise up, Democrats. Jim Edward, why Boogs? That would be awful. <laughs> That's rise up, Americans. Rise up. This cannot stand. We will occupy this floor. Democrats found a novel way to bring awareness. See, if you do something to bring awareness, you're doing it to get attention. If they do something to bring awareness, they're doing it to bring awareness. If they do something to get attention, it's bringing awareness to a serious topic. If you do something to bring awareness, it's getting attention for yourself. <laughs> yes. Yes. The chair finds that the house in. is currently not Carry in a state of order. After the government cameras were shut off, the representatives broadcasted online. So they streamed their sit-in, their shit-in, ladies and gentlemen. They streamed it. They streamed an insurrection. Why didn't I see anybody bringing that point up in the last year? <laughs> they they sat on the floor of Congress, they live-streamed it, and they refused to leave. Is that or is that not an attempted overthrow of the government? What's the difference? They The only difference is they, they are politicians and they're not dressed like shamans. That's it. It's the only difference. What do you think Nancy Pelosi does to her keyboard when no one's around? Giving people hope. Giving people hope. Look at this. Look at this circus. Look at this circus. This is nothing more than a publicity stunt. That's point number one. House of being order. The chair wishes to make an announcement regarding the decorum in the House chamber. I'm tired. Yeah. I need a shower. Yeah. I need a beer. Guess what? My commitment is reaffirmed by you. So there you have it. We would, ha we would hate for people, wouldn't we? We would hate for people to use the, the floor of the House of Congress for their own shameless attention-grabbing desires. That really can't be allowed. All right, with that, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I'll be back next Friday. Don't forget the starting block. If you missed last night's show, uh, head out, uh, head over to the starting block's Twitter page. You can catch Greeno there. There's a replay there pinned or download the podcast, whatever. Follow our friends that we mentioned before. Till next time, guys. Stay calm, stay rational. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.